which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life, life was, was made, made manifest, manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest manifest. to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk Walk in the light, as he is in the light, we we have have fellowship fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, And 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 the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. And just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are in the second week of our series in the book of 1 John, something that we started recently. A series I've entitled, Shining Light on Authentic Faith. Shining light on authentic faith. And we've been asking questions of the Lord. Questions last week that that sound like this. Can we know God? And these are questions that God's Word answers for us. And John, in his epistle, gives us a resounding exclamation point. Can you and I know God? Yes. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He has revealed himself from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen, and what we have touched. And so today we ask another question of authentic faith, authenticity, if you will. The question is this, can we truly know that our sins are forgiven? Or maybe, if you will, what about my sin? What about my sin? Uh, An author and English professor, Rosario Butterfield, said it best this way. She said, let's say you inherited a beautiful, enchanted garden. And you've decided to let this garden thrive. So you irrigated it nice. You've thrown out some fertilizer, some nitrogen that you found at the local hardware store. And for 10 years, you've prayed over that garden and you say, you know what? Let's let it thrive. Let's let it grow. And 10 years later, you come back to the garden, and guess what you find? Well, not only have the roses grown somewhat, but also the weeds and the trees, and you find your garden in a mess. Now, how foolish would it be for you and I to go to the one who gave the garden and say, Master, I want my money back. The garden that you gave me is in horrible shape. I let it thrive the best way I know how, but there are weeds everywhere. I'm giving it back to yours. I don't like the way it turned out. See, that's the garden that you and I find ourselves in. 
This is, this is the sin in our life. We try to live the best way we know how, and yet we find occasionally or often that the weeds of sin easily entangle us. And many of us have walked in today with a lot of weeds in our garden, haven't we? So we ask the Lord, God, what about my sin? I believe you. I trust in you. And so now what? How, God, can you remedy this situation? So read with me in 1 John 1, beginning in verse 5. Let me remind you what a privilege it is that we have God's holy, perfect word. This isn't just a book. This is God's word to us, church. This is God's word to you and to I this morning. Verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Father, we so desperately want to know you more and more. Father, may that be the cry of our hearts, that we know you and make you known. Lord, this morning we ask that you engage our minds and awaken our hearts, knowing that until you awaken us from our darkness, we have no hope. So, Lord, answer the question, what about our sin? Because we know that the answer is found in Jesus. We pray this in and through Jesus himself. Amen and amen. Well, first, let's look at our darkness. So what about our sin? Well, the Bible begins and says, look at your own darkness. Verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him, that's God, and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. And actually it says there's absolutely no darkness. So this is something that we truly need to understand, that sin is serious. That your sin, my sin, is serious. Why do we see that? Why can I say that? Because God is light. And over and over again in the Old Testament, light symbolizes the holiness and the presence of God. So God led his people by a pillar of fire, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In the tabernacle, there was light to represent God's presence. In Exodus, Moses is communicating with God on the mountain. And when he comes down, the Bible says his face glows so much so that the people are scared of him. This is the presence and the light and the holiness of God the Father, the great I am, as we have already sung. And Jesus echoes this refrain for us. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So God is light because he is holy. Jesus says that he is light. You see, this is what we find in Scripture. Darkness is the enemy of light. Right? Darkness is the enemy of light. We're going to get more uncomfortable later, but just know generally that darkness is the enemy of light. If you're a dark person or if you like darkness, it's not good to turn on the light switch. Because the light is an enemy of darkness. Look at verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and there is what? There is, uh, the, the HCSB says there is absolutely no darkness. How much darkness? None. Absolutely none. And if that's the case, why are we okay with darkness then? If God is holy and he is light, why are we okay? And you say, well, can it be that serious? Really, is our sin that big of a deal? Uh, since moving to Alabama last year, we've almost been here two years now, um, I found there are some nuggets of goodness hidden throughout the state. Uh, one of those uh, gifts that keeps on giving is Milo's sweet tea, Right? <laughs> Now, I had a bad experience the first time. The staff took me to Milo's the very first day and, like, look, you have to eat at this place. And they, I ate the hamburger and I was trying to have a game face on. I'm like, this is, I ate it. I said, this is not good. This is, this is like kangaroo meat or something. Um, <laughs> but it's grown on me. They've changed everything. They're back to normal. Um, but I love sweet tea. I'm from, I'm from the South, raised in the South. I mean, if you pour it out like, like the thicker it is, the better. I want to be able to pour my sweet tea out and it, and it freeze coming out of the... Um, well, I, I actually observed several weeks ago that there's even a, a greater mixture, if you will, concoction. I was going through the grocery store and found that there's a half and half Milo's lemonade and tea. I'm like, this is awesome. It's a, a refreshing look on Milo's tea. And so I bought that and I drank it. Me and a friend, we drank it um, in about an hour. A gallon of half and half by ourselves. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I don't understand. The, um, that's not a sin, I don't believe. Um, but, but let's put this in perspective for you. Let's say I make you a perfect pitcher of tea. And it has... It's, it's bulging with ice. It's in a Yeti cup. Like it's going to stay cold for, for the apocalypse and, and I give this to you, and you're about to drink it because you are thirsty. And I said, well, before you drink it, I want you to know this. I had a vial of poison, and I accidentally knocked, I knocked the container into the sweet tea. But don't worry. Um, I don't think anything spilled. And even if it did, it was probably only one drop. Now, if, if I rehearsed that narrative to you, would you drink that sweet tea? How much poison has to be in that tea for it to be ruined and destroyed for you? Even a hint of poison in that. And sin is, has even greater effects in our life. Sin is serious. How serious? There is no darkness. Every sin leads to separation. Every sin leads to separation. 
And you might be thinking, well, I've, Jesus died for me, so I'm good. Yeah, you know what happens when we sin? We put a wedge in our life with our Savior, with our Heavenly Father. Every sin is serious, and we do not have degrees of sin. So we need to really pull back the, the veil that we have in our lives as church people. We think that they are um, unofficial categories of sin. Uh, we pray and we'll say, Lord, just thank, I thank you that I haven't uh, murdered thousands of people this week. Because that's, that's the really bad, that's really bad group. All right, we're going to pray for them. There, are, there is no category of sin in Scripture. It is either you are in darkness or you are in light. And think about it. And if you are honest, we all have categories of sin, don't we? We think there are things that we can do. We call them white lies. They are still dark lies. And usually the sins that we categorize as not so bad, like there are mortal sins that immediately lead to death. Um, you know, if you, are a, if you are a fan of the opposite football team, that's one of those, right? Or um, Hitler or Stalin or bin Laden. There are people that we think that those are, they have a special place in the seventh level of hell. But the sins that you and I categorize as not so bad are normally the sins that we struggle with the most. Gossiping. That's not so bad. You know what? Let me just go blast people on Facebook. Eh. I know I probably shouldn't be doing it, but Lord, I know you'll forgive me. Or, you know, I know this is for work purposes, but let me just take this for myself. The things that we categorize as gray or white-ish are the things that we normally struggle with. And then if we're honest, I find myself doing this. We look down upon people. I can't believe they're doing that. And you know what we're saying? We're saying is I don't struggle with that, so I'm going to judge you more harshly. There is no light in that. Every sin in my life is serious. Everyone. Look at verse 5. How much darkness is in God? There is absolutely no darkness. We must wake up to the reality that our sin is serious, and we must treat it that way. When we hear gossip, we must stop it and say there is no, absolutely no place for that. And I'm going to further um, unveil that later as we move on. There is no darkness in God. How much? None. And if we are to be children of light, how much darkness should be in us? None. None at all. Secondly, what about our sin? One, it is dark and there is no darkness in God. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, uh, I want you to hear me very clear. This is not me saying this. I'm echoing what Scripture says, therefore I am saying it. If you say you have fellowship with God, and yet you walk in darkness, God himself says what? That we are liars. Look at verse 6. If we walk in darkness and we say we have fellowship, we are lying and not practicing the truth. As Elf would say, you sit on the throne of lies. That should cause us a lot of concern, shouldn't it? Because most of us want to say we have fellowship with God. And if we're honest, there are a lot of dark places and dark recesses in our lives that we do not want exposed. 
And what is Scripture reminding us of? Scripture is saying this, denial of sin is not the answer. What about our sin? It is dark and denial is not the answer. So what are some ways that we denial, that we deny? Um, by the way, it is destructive, and we practice this from a very young age. Most of you have broken something when you are a toddler or a three or four-year-old. And when mom walks in and says, did you break this? Mm-mm. And the nearest object you're going to point to, it was the dog's fault. It was the cat's fault. It was Bubby's fault. It was an earthquake. But it wasn't me. Well, why do you have a bat in your hand? And It wasn't me. We are made to practice denial, and we must root denial out of our lives to grow in our faith. So what are some ways that we deny sin in our life? Um, the first is this. Sometimes we call our darkness light. We call our darkness light. There are times that we just say, you know what? Sin is not, it's not a sin. It's just something else. And if you let culture determine what is a sin and what is not, culture will deny and lie. All right, it's not a lie. It's a white lie. It's not gossip. You're just sharing a prayer concern. Right? You're not, you're not lying or flattering yourself on Facebook. You're just sharing something. We cannot let ourselves or our community or our culture determine what is sin. God's holy word determines what is light and what is not. We have to stand upon the word of God. We cannot deny that. Um, sometimes we don't deny sin, but we do it in this way. We rationalize it. We rationalize our sin. Or this is an attempt to explain or justify. And it's a yet another way of denying which destroys our soul. So what are some ways we rationalize? Uh, it sounds very simple, like this. Well, you know, I'm only hurting myself. Or I'm not hurting anyone else. You know what? I can drink or I can smoke or I can get high by myself because I'm not hurting anyone. Man, don't you know that you are created in the image of God and He wants you to find your identity in Him. Ephesians reminds us that we are not to be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because substances help us run away from the world by causing us to forget. And God helps us cope with the world by helping us remember His promises. May we, may we not be people who rationalize. And church people, we're the world's worst because we add a little spiritual flavor to it. I've heard it said like this, right? Um, well, it's okay if I look at pornography. It keeps me from having an affair. Really? Really? I'm going to stand before the throne and say, God, this is why I did it because I didn't want to go down a darker road. Or you know what? No one's going to know. We cannot rationalize our sin. Youth, and don't get caught up in the lie of, you know, if I do this, my friends will think I'm cool. Or if I go to this party, all right, I'll be accepted. The greatest acceptance we have is in Jesus Christ. And if I could go back, there would be people I would look and say, no, thank you. Because you're longing for something you don't realize you're longing for. And what you're looking for is not going to give you satisfaction. It's only found in Jesus. 
We cannot rationalize. What are some other ways that we deny? Uh, Very simply, sometimes uh, we call ourselves Christians in spite of our sin. I believe that's the denial of overlooking. Verse 6, we can say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness. It's easy for us to overlook our sin. Hey, I'm a member of so-and-so church. Um, That doesn't matter in the grand scheme of eternity if you don't know Jesus. And I am tired and I've told Casey this, my wife, uh, our little one's sick today, so she's not here. But I've told her, look, when I die, and if it's today, this is what I want at my funeral. Don't have a vigil for me. Don't shoot fireworks. If you want to rejoice, do it after later at home. I don't want you to say how great of a person I am and overlook my sin. I want my funeral to say, you know what? He was, he was no good at all. And yet, Jesus died for him, the chief of sinners. We cannot overlook our sin. And I'm tired of going to funerals where we make everyone angels. That's a lie. And do not do that at my funeral because you will be lying. And we're going to throw down when you get to heaven because I told you better. Right? But we overlook sin. Why? Because if I overlook your sin, maybe you'll overlook mine. And the hope is that maybe God will overlook all of ours. Oh, church, God does not overlook our sin. There is absolutely no darkness in him. Some say this, some overlook and deny sin in this way. Verse 10, uh, some say we do not have sin. We have not sinned. Um, so let me just, I'm just going to say a very a sentence on this. I don't know if there are any of you here that don't feel like you've ever sinned. Uh, one, you're wrong. Um, and God can heal you. But sin is sin and dark is dark and God is light. We also deny ourselves in this way. We deny sin. I call it the holy roller mentality. The holy roller mentality. Um, another way we deny um, Sin in our life is that we portray to the outside world as a church that we have not sin, right? So, so we, we put on our game face at church. We put on our mask and our three-piece suit, and we ride our nice cars, and we get on our ivory tower, and we, we know we've sinned, but we want to look really good for the world. Like when I go to church, I, want, I don't want anyone to think I've sinned. God wants something different for our life. We should be a church that if, the, if Hitler himself drives down this road and is convicted of sin and he says, I don't know where to go, he can say, I can go to that church because they're full of sinners. And the answer is Jesus and they have the good news. We cannot be people, verse 10, who say we have not sinned. Look, the world does not need our three-piece suits and our fancy lingo. They need our Jesus. They need our Jesus. We are consumers of grace. This should be a place where sinners flock. By the way, this is a place where sinners flock. I'm thankful that we have a God who takes away our denial. How bad can denial be? Uh, Here's a story. In 2004, uh, the Boston Public Library decided to commemorate the 85th anniversary of this event. Now listen to this. It blows my mind. In 1919, an enormous steel vat 
containing 2.3 million gallons, that's a lot of gallons, of molten molasses burst, hot, sticky, and had up to 30 feet tall waves. That's a lot of syrup. Um, it was so strong that it destroyed buildings, crushed freight cars, wagons, automobiles, and drowned people. One author called it the dark tide. The tank was 50 feet tall and 200 feet around. Can you imagine a 30-foot tall wave of molasses coming at you? Um, it's like, Lord, just take me home. I'm going to eat as much as I can right now. <laughs> And the Boston Public Library decided to commemorate this. And this, this is why it's important for us. This is what we do. This is what the factory, this is how they mitigated the issue. Company officials reacted to the constant leaks by repainting the tank to match the leaking molasses. It had been leaking for months and years, and they would just repaint it molasses colored. And eventually, it burst forth. They felt out of sight, out of mind. You see, they knew about the dangers of denial and did nothing. They did nothing. What about our sin? Instead of denying it, God's word says, own up to it. Own up to it. What about our sin? It is dark. Every sin that we have is serious. And denying church people, we are, we are professional deniers. That is not the answer, but we have an answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. We have a deliverer. Look at verse 8. I believe one of the most promising verses in all of Scripture. If we say, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to what? To forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess he is faithful and just to what? To forgive us and cleanse us. What a beautiful, beautiful verse in our lives. You see, Jesus gives us hope, healing, and restoration. So how does that work in our lives? One, we have to walk in light. It is not enough for you and I to walk. That's what church is. Church is us. Um, for most people, religion is trying to be a good, moral, outstanding citizen and work your way into God's good graces. That's walking. Over and over again in Scripture, in the Jewish world, to walk means to obey. It is not enough to walk. We must walk where? In the light. And where is light found? It is found in God himself. It is found in God himself. It is not enough just to walk. You see, walking in light conveys to you and I an openness. An openness to God. And what the world needs to see and what our hearts need this morning is for us to say, God, every crack and crevice and dark recess is open to you. Because you are only as strong as your deepest secrets. And we don't have any secrets from God. We must walk in the light. We must walk in the light of his goodness. Chesterton said it like this. 
The issue is now clear. It is between light and darkness, and everyone must choose his side. See, walking in darkness does not mean that you and I do not sin. But it means that when we sin, we do not hide it from God. And we have a long list of people in our lives that hide sin. It begins with the, the very first book of the Bible. Adam and Eve have eat, eat the fruit. And they, they go one that God tells them not to. And they realize that they're naked. And they realize this is not good. And so they, they make poor clothes. They make fig leaves and they, they put it upon themselves. And they, what do they do then? They hide from God. And God is calling out to them, and they think they can hide in the garden from the presence of God. And you know who they pass that down to? Right, us. We have a legacy of hiding from God. Even if we're Christ followers, when we sin, what do we want to do? We want to run as if we can run far enough. Right, ask Jonah how far you can run. Right? I'm going to run. God, you call me this way. I'm going to run that way. You say Nineveh. I say Tarshish. And I'm going to get on the ship. God, there's a storm. I don't want to die because I, if I know if I die, I'll have to meet you. So throw me into the bottomless pit of the sea. And God said, Jonah, even in the big fish, you will find me. Are you open to God this morning? And maybe you have brought struggles and weeds in here. And you think no one can see them. There is one. And his name is Jesus. Are you open to the light of Christ in your life? You say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. That's okay. Because this is God's promise. I want us to read over this again and again and again. Verse 9. If we confess. So this is an if-then conditional. If I do this, then God will do this. It should be. What we deserve, if I confess my sins, God is going to wipe me out from the history of the world and I will be no more. I deserve nothing. But that is not what God's word says. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful. So I am unfaithful and yet God is faithful and he is righteous and he is unjust to what? He is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that these are two beautiful rainbows in the sea of our sin. When I sin, God offers me forgiveness and cleansing. When, and when I sin, God says, if you confess, confess is, uh, has several aspects. One, it is a mental recognition that I have sinned from God's perspective. I can't confess something that I don't believe I've done. So confession is one, agreeing with God that I have sinned and I am dark. And two, confession of the mouth means that my heart is also attuned to his grace. That is true confession. It is not just saying, well, I believe in God. It is saying, no, I believe, I know that I have sinned. And I, in my heart, acknowledge that he is the sin forgiver. And maybe that's you today. You don't feel like you can ever be forgiven. You know why we feel that way? Because if God were me, I wouldn't forgive myself. Have you ever felt that way? God, if you were me, I don't deserve forgiveness. 
Because, God, you give me chance after chance. And, Lord, you're saying if I confess what you already know that I've done, unholy, ungodly, spiritual terrorism, all sin is serious, all sin is dark. God, if I confess that, that you will forgive me. And that is exactly what he does. What a beautiful picture of grace in our life. And maybe you've walked in with sin and you say, I don't know why I'm here today, but, but I, I want good news. The good news is that if you confess, he is faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sins and purify. So what does forgiveness look like? What does forgiveness look like? Several things. One, it means that God no longer holds that sin against you. Oh, what a wonderful. It doesn't mean that God forgets. Like God doesn't look at me and say, now what did you do again? I mean, it's just right on the top of my, of my mind. That's not how God operates. We want to forget. But sometimes the greatest forgiveness is in remembrance. Like God remembers and he says, I will no longer hold that against you because of what my son has done on your behalf. And the other part of forgiveness is not only I will not hold that against you, but he removes that iniquity from us. He, he removes it away. And not only that, he cleanses us. Look at the cleansing that God offers us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from what? How much sin are we cleansed from? Oh, how often are we forgiven if we confess all sin? So that tells me this. If I have brought heaviness in and I have not yet found forgiveness, that means I have not confessed. You see, shame and guilt always should lead us back to the throne of God. And so if you are here and you feel guilty for sins that you have committed, that you have already confessed, that guilt is not coming from God. Because he's what? Right? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. So, so a remembrance of a past sin should bring remembrance of forgiveness. So if the world says, Josh, don't you remember what you did? I can say, but you know what? I, I remember that I'm forgiven. You want to make the, the devil mad? Remind him you're forgiven. Right? So Josh, don't you remember you did this? You're not qualified to be a Christ follower. Devil, don't you realize I'm forgiven? Don't you realize I'm cleansed from all unrighteousness? And so if you are guilty here today and you've, you've, you have given those sins to God, I want you to know that it's time to forgive yourself because God's already done it. And he's removed that and he's cleansed you. And church, we need to live as people who are free. We're free. We're clean. We live in the light. Glory to God, we are free. He is faithful and just to forgive. There's no greater hope in Scripture than that good news. Many, many years ago, a man named Andre Kasangnis died in Paris at the age of 86. He was a French-born inventor, and he made an invention with a glass front where you can make pictures and erase them. 
And he called it, uh, if any one of you are French, I'm, about, I'm sorry for my French here, um, l'écran magique, which is the magic screen. And we know how the story ends. An Ohio art company renamed this invention the Etch-A-Sketch. I mean, this is, these are my sermon notes for today. Um, and I was never good at, at the Etch-A-Sketch. But I don't think this inventor realized that he had made a beautiful picture of God's grace. Because you see, our lines and our lives are marked with brokenness, with sin and darkness. And some of you have come in with a very ugly picture today. And you don't feel like there is any hope. Here is what 1 John says. If you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and And what? Cleansing us. Like we, can, we can leave here with a, with a blank screen. We can leave here as, as a clean slate. Like God gives us new life and eternal life. I don't care what was on your screen when you walked in. Like God didn't put stipulations. He didn't say, you know what? If you are halfway good, I'll forgive you. No, his son died for all sin. And if you are here today and you have not confessed to Jesus, I want you to know that he offers you a new life in a new way. He offers to make your life clean. And we're going to invite you to put your faith in Jesus right now. That's the invitation he offers you this morning. And I, I urge you, I did this and I was foolish. Do not say, I can wait till tomorrow. Because you might not have that option. Don't say, well, you know what? I, I'm, let me contemplate it. God says, if you confess, you will be forgiven. Maybe you're here and you just need to come to the altar or spend some time singing a song of freedom. Like you know you're free, but you struggle living as a free person. Like you're still carrying the chains of weight and the weight of your sin. Look, God has forgiven you and he has cleansed you. Church, live free. It's okay to tell the world we're sinners. But we can say, you know what? Look, this is what my life looked like before God, but he shook me up. He sent his son to die for me and his blood washes me clean. That is the offering of salvation for all of us. And that is what is offered to you right now if you believe, if you confess, and you put your trust in Jesus. Let's pray.